0: Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to Around the Waves on KCOU.FM. I'm your host, Luca Vitale, and alongside me is my co-host, Ryan Waltzman. Ryan, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm excited for this show. It's going to be a good one.
0: All right, let's get right to it. We got two guests today in Harrison Vatnek from Boca Raton, Florida, and we have Nick Winkleman back from Plano, Illinois. hes They're both going to join us today via On the Call to discuss their predictions and debate recent and upcoming sporting events. Before we get started, some news on Mizzou. Mizzou soccer broke their losing streak of five consecutive SEC losses with a 2-1 victory over Vanderbilt this past Saturday. This is the first time the Tigers have beaten a ranked opponent in five years. And Ryan, tell me about Mizzou football. What's going on there?
1: Yeah, Mizzou had plans to go into Death Valley and face the LSU Tigers in a primetime showdown, but a swarm of hurricanes has pushed that game to beautiful Faroe Field this Saturday at 11 a.m. Tigers come into this one 0-2, and they look to knock off the 17th-ranked LSU Tigers who, fall, who are currently 1-1 to start the
0: young season. All right. Well, speaking of Mizzou football, we're going to start with Mizzou football today. I know it's a little change. Um, we're going to introduce our first guest today. And that's going to be Harrison Vatneck. We're going to put him on the air. Hey, Harrison, can you hear me?
2: Yeah, I can hear you.
0: Excellent. All right, everyone. So we're going to start with our first segment in Mizzou football. Harrison Vatnek is from back Boca Raton, Florida. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's get going. All right, Ryan and Harrison, what are your predictions for this Saturday's game that was now originally in Louisiana but now is here in, in Missouri?
1: Yeah, Harrison, so uh, I guess I'll just start off by uh, saying my prediction because I just kind of wanted to talk about who I think will get the QB1 start and then uh, just my prediction on the game. So uh, what I said here was Mizzou versus LSU, uh, who gets the starting nod? I think you'd have to be out of your mind to not start Connor Bazalek. Uh, he and now, was it just jitters for Sean Robinson? His first two SEC games where he saw himself getting pulled in that game against Tennessee. And will Coach Drinkwitz go back to his junior for this game against the heavy hitting LSU Tigers? Uh, it's possible, but I mean, my prediction is got to be Connor. He's run this team, they seem to be playing better with him on that field. He is 20 for 35 with uh, 286 passing yards. Uh, but as a Mizzou fan, and I think it has to be Basilak, man. I think a lot of people are going to be disappoint, disappointed if it's not counter Basilek because he has shown, although he doesn't have a touchdown with the team yet, he has shown that the boys want to play better with him out there. And, I mean, Harrison, in my honest prediction, as it hurts for me to say, they are ranked 17. I think we're going to keep it close, but I got the LSU Tigers beating the Mizzou Tigers uh, in a close one, but I I think we're going to fall 35-30. to 30. You think, okay,
2: so uh thanks for having me on first of all on oh, no problem uh I'm on record I said on Tiger pregame live on KCOU when Garrett and I hosted before the Alabama game I said that Bayslac should start I was concerned about Robinson having not played a game in two years they ended up starting Robinson didn't go well they put in lack on the last drive or they actually uh, went down he ran for a touchdown the last play of the game had a solid last drive that was the best drive Missouri put together that whole game so I figured that he was going to start against Tennessee and instead, uh, Drinkwitz, what he does is he plays Robinson, which was a mistake, but Bazelak in the second half led led them to some points. But I'm just curious of you saying Missouri's going to put up 30 points against LSU. Missouri's only scored 31 points combined in their first two games, and you think they're going to put up 30 against an LSU defense, which just kind of confuses me a little bit. I don't think it's going to be as close as you think. I think this is probably going to be an LSU route. I'm just trying to be honest. Uh, Connor Bazelak he is going to get the start, I believe, on Saturday. Uh, uh, Drinkwitz did say in his press conference the other day that he still expects Robinson to get some snaps in the offense, which I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like. This Missouri offense, you know, we know that Drinkwitz came in as an offensive-minded coach, had a lot of points scored at Appalachian State and NC State. At his is two previous stops, and he comes in and expecting a whole different-looking offense, and just I'm pretty disappointed of what I've seen so far. It's a lot of simple play calls, and it just hasn't been smart. So I am I don't want to say I'm concerned because it's only two games in the different Coats era, but it's not exactly what i have liked to see so far.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're probably thinking I'm crazy for calling that 30-point game, but I just think it's time for Mizzou to finally show that they can get multiple points on the board. I don't know. I think 19 is the most they've gotten. I think they got that. Yeah, they scored 19 against Alabama. That's what I thought. So, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of nice for the guys to be coming back playing home, uh, I guess, with the home fans, you know. I know it's not going to be that full of a stadium, but, I mean, I think that does kind of – Shows, I think that kind of does do something for the team. Like, I know it's still LSU, I know they're 17th ranked, but I mean, I think if Basilek goes out there, uh, I think we do have a chance of putting some points up on the board, maybe not 30. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but I mean, yeah, no, I, we'll see, we'll see what happens, man. No, I
2: hear you, and, and that sounds great. Like, the whole idea of it, yeah, they're playing this game at home instead of going to uh, Death Valley in Louisiana, which is historically one of the more difficult places to play in the SEC, but it's just in terms of being more realistic that. I don't think this team is capable of putting up 30 points in really any game this season, maybe against Vanderbilt, who they play on the 17th, but I'm not sure that Missouri is going to be putting up 30 points in any game this season. Uh, Yeah, it's nice to say that, you know, they're going to come out and play motivated, but I just don't know if that's the deal with how Baselak's skills are eliminated. I could be wrong. Baselak could come out and throw for 250, 300 yards, but I'm just not sure from what I've seen from this Missouri offense and the play calling, which is partially on Drinkwitz for the offense so far.
1: Yeah, the play calling has been, uh, man, it's been quite something. But it can
2: be better. Like it can it's be. only been two games, it could get better. But from what I've seen so far, uh, I'm a bit concerned.
1: Yeah, no. I right, well, You heard our predictions here. Um, we both got LSU. Oh, I'll put, in, I'll
2: put in my score prediction. Oh yeah, okay. I'm gonna say uh, LSU wins
1: 45-10. Wow. Okay. All right. So, well, Harrison's got a blowout. I got kind of a close game, but that's also optimistic of me. Uh, okay, we'll move to uh, Harrison and Luca. They're gonna be talking about that uh, Bill O'Brien.
0: Yes, sir, we are, and uh, definitely a bit interesting as the Houston Texans have fired head coach and general manager Bill O'Brien after the Texans have fell to 0-4 and named the associate head coach the team's interim head coach. Harrison, was it justified the Texans fired O'Brien?
2: Well, I'm just going to say this before I go into talking about Bill O'Brien. I know Bill O'Brien is a great person for what he's done in the city of Houston. I know he's done a lot of work. In that community, I think what he, he did was a great job at Penn State entering that program at the difficult time that he didn't have been two successful seasons there. But to the point, uh, Bill O'Brien had two jobs as the Houston Texans. He was the GM and the coach, and he was bad at both of them. He was a below-average head coach and a below-average general manager. And this was, this was a long time coming, was this uh, firing. You could have made the argument that he could have been fired last year after the playoff loss to Kansas City or the year before mm-hmm. after the loss to the Colts. Or before that, that, when they lost, or they didn't even make the playoffs in 2017, they went 4-12. and 12.
0: Yeah, and um, I definitely agree with you here. Um, Bill O'Brien should never even have been hired as the GM in the first place. I'm sorry, he should have just never been. I think they, it still confuses me to this day because they made the playoffs that year, and they were heading in the right direction. They had the elite quarterback in Deshaun Watson. They had star receivers in DeAndre Hopkins. But listen, th- Bill O'Brien did not build that team that went to the playoffs. But he definitely dismantled it by making some idiotic moves, and I'm going to give you some of those. He well, traded. Oh, okay. So let's just let's just let's just go back through go some ahead. history, shall we? Um, traded Tunsell and Kenny Stills. What does he do? He gives up two first round picks and a second round pick for them. Then he traded Clowney away for a third round pick. And just the icing on the cake was for me was he gives away a star receiver in DeAndre Hopkins for basically a bag of peanuts and a football or two. He should have been fired that day. The team had no success after that trade, and he should have been gone that day, in my opinion.
2: Oh, well, you're also forgetting that he traded uh, Dwayne Brown, the best offensive tackle. Oh, yeah, he did. Then you can think about what's the problem with Houston Texans the offensive line. You know what he got back for Dwayne Brown? Let's hear it. Uh, Martinez Rankin. I know you're a football guy. Have you ever heard of this man?
0: Um, I have not really heard of him, no.
2: And also, uh, they also drafted Lonnie Johnson with the other pick they got. And Lonnie Johnson, great performance. He only uh, gave up 10 catches for 134 and three touchdowns regarding Travis Kelsey. And the Clowney trade as well. He traded Clowney for uh, Barkevius Mingo and Jacob Martin, the third-round pick. But I think the most important one for getting, I know the Hopkins trade is huge, mm-hmm. and the of one. He let Tyron Matthew walk away for basically nothing. He didn't even offer right. a Tyron Matthew contract, Tyron Matthew. Looks like one of the best safeties in the NFL, possibly a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, and also he position- won the Super
0: Bowl, too. He just won the Super yeah, Bowl last Super Bowl
2: year. Champion crown, And you look at his playoff success, you know, his resume, it's a 30 nothing loss to Alex Smith-led Kansas City Chiefs. He did, he got a win against, I don't know how he pulled this off, but he won a 27-14 against Connor Cook and Jack Del Rio. Just spectacular win for Coach O'Brien. Uh, before, and then losing to New England the week after. And then his best team, the best team, the only game, the only time he won 11 games is the coach of the Texans. They lose, tw- only put up seven points against a mediocre Colts defense, losing 21 7 mm-hmm. on their home field. And then just the peak of it last year in the divisional round. He yeah. He has his team up 24 nothing against the Kansas City Chiefs. And now he's trailing going into the locker room.
0: Yeah. And that was embarrassing. We all know what happened. Um, but it's just, yep. it's still mind boggling to me. Why would he mess? with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins' chemistry in the field. It was a dynamic duel. He messed with it. It must have been personal feelings. We still don't know to this day exactly, but I feel like DeAndre Hopkins alluded to it once he got to the Cardinals. But he should have never messed with it. And look at this team. They're absolutely terrible. They're atrocious. They're at the bottom of the league in uh, points scored per game, which I believe is 20. And their run game is atrocious. They're last in the NFL. I'm not sure why he needed a running back and uh, – Johnson on the Cardinals and who has been injured the last couple of years and a contract that is kind of messed up in a way too. I mean, he basically traded Hopkins for absolutely nothing.
2: Well, I'll break that into two parts for you. So the Hopkins part, he him and Hopkins clearly never got along. Hopkins had wanted to trade. There was issues in the I think it was the training room or something. You know that he never really got in depth with, but there was clearly issues there, and that's why he traded the best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. With the other half with Watson, I hate to break up break. Uh, bring up the 2017 NFL draft for you. Oh, but God. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson basically fell into his lap. Uh, he had he did trade up in which he gave up a future first-round pick that ended up being the fourth pick in the draft, but we'll know we you need to go into that. Um, they Watson falls into his lap instead of when Trubisky and Mahomes went earlier. He gets his franchise quarterback, who gave an extension to. And when he was hired as a head coach, basically this young organization that was on the rise you know, they'd never even been to a conference championship game, and he could never even take them there, even though he drafted a superstar quarterback that fell into his lap.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And last year, they, they, they had no business losing that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. He knows that. I think the rest of the Texans fans know that. Maybe even the Chiefs know that. I don't know. We know Patrick Mahomes is talented. We know he's great. But right now, if you're the McNair family, you should just clean the house now. Anything that basically Bill O'Brien did, touched, whatever he did, and you're trying to go in a forward direction. Get rid of everybody that he brought in. That includes Braden Cooks. That includes Randall Cobb. It basically includes anything that he decided Randall to do.
2: Three-year, forty million dollar contract. For they're 31-1
0: they're months. gonna have to do something. And if they want to move in the forward direction, he ba- they got to basically clean the house. That's what they got to do.
2: Well, the best direction they could possibly go in is just tanking the season. But then you remember that. The draft pick they have goes to Miami because guess what? Bill O'Brien traded that pick. Oh, yeah, that's so right. All of a sudden now the Texans are probably looking on a collision course with a 3-13 and season where they're going to see that draft pick go to Miami. So I think this re- the whole restart thing you're talking about can't really start till next season because of that. And then they have the highest paid roster in the NFL. So not even much cap even going to next offseason. So mm-hmm. I really think the Texans are in for a dreadful this season and then also next season despite – really the prime of their quarterback right now while he's still healthy.
0: Yeah, and I have a question for you. Maybe this is uh, a stupid question or maybe it's an in, it's an interesting one. Do you think the Texans or the McNair family, whatever they want to do, do you think they will give away Deshaun Watson if they want to tank?
2: I don't think so. I think it's it, we, we see it so hard to find quarterbacks in this league. I know as a Chicago Bears fan that you are, mm-hmm. Bears have been looking for a quarterback for about 40 years now. Don't remind me. I, I think that... <laughs> they should hold on to Watson and basically get rid of every other piece. I have heard that conversation of uh, trading him, but I just I don't think it makes sense. They've already signed him to a four-year extension that's not going to start until next season. So I think the fact that it's so hard to draft the quarterback, I think they have to keep Watson.
0: All right. Um, Harrison, thanks for joining us today. Yep,
2: thanks for having me on. And you can catch me on. Uh, I'll be hosting Tiger Pre-Game Live presented by El Rancho starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday before the LSU game.
0: All right, you guys heard Harrison. Um, Once again, Harrison, thanks. And everyone... Thanks for having me on, Luca. Of course. And everyone, we're going to head to the break right now. If you can't catch our uh, episodes live on around the waves on FM, don't you worry. We upload our episodes on Spotify. So listen whenever you please. We'll be back after the break.
2: KCOU would like to shout out Eastside Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, East Side is a solid
0: place to hang out.
2: For nearly 15 years, India's house has brought traditional North Indian cuisine to downtown Columbia. Featuring staples such as tikka masala and tandoori breads in his house is sure to warm soul. Located at the intersection of Broadway and hit open for delivery or curbside pickup. And now a poem. Tikka masala is red and you're feeling blue. Everyone,
0: we're back and uh, we're going to start our segment and uh, we're going to do our first opinion segment in the Cleveland Browns. But before I get started with that, I would like to introduce our second guest of the day, Nick Winkleman from Plano, Illinois. Nick, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well. How
0: are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, and I'm just gonna read the intro quick, and we're gonna get started. The Cleveland Browns ran past the round and through the Dallas Cowboys in their Week Four, improving their record to three and one. The Browns rolled up over 300 yards on the ground and posted 33 first downs, and smoking the Cowboys 49-38. Nick, I'm gonna start with you because you love defending this guy. Should we, should we be should we be giving Baker Mayfield more credit for the Browns' hot start?
3: Well, I'll say I think it's pretty clear that uh, my call in saying we should not bench Baker Mayfield after week one against the Ravens seems to have worked out pretty well. He's doing pretty great. You know, he's not like the top quarterback in the league. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson. But he is a solid starting quarterback. He's he's good, and he – deserves to stay in he's doing great and he deserves the credit
0: all right well i i can't disagree how he's playing good right now but he's not getting the credit uh everyone i want everyone to take their calendars out right now take a pencil or something get a get a post-it note out. everyone put on your calendars october 4th the cleveland's the cleveland browns actually remember they had odell beckham jr at their disposal i was i was in shock how many times i saw him in that field but let's start with this. The reality here in the situation is Kevin Stefanski is getting the credit here because he has pointed out that Odell Beckham Jr. is the best player on that football team. And he basically asked himself, how many different ways can we use him? How many ways can we get them to football? And especially early on in games, the last three games, they have done that. Just whether it's a reverse one, a reverse run, a reverse pass, they're taking shots down the field. What he did against uh, Jarvis uh, Jarvis Landry, what he did with Odell Beckham Jr., that was fantastic. They're trying to finish games with him as well, so it's a really good coaching thought process of them. It's not just the receiver for the Browns that OBJ is, he's a weapon. And I got to admit, I am very impressed with Kevin Stefanski. He is not Freddie Kitchens. He is meant to be coaching this team right now. Is Cleveland's offense is erupting. However, we, that cannot be overlooked because of the defenses they have versed in Cincinnati, Washington, and Dallas. Dallas is just an absolute mess as they allow basically 173 rushing yards a game, which is second to last in the league. Then we look at Washington. They allow about 130 runs Uh, rushing yards per game which is about 23rd in the league and then we have cincinnati who allows 159 rushing yards per game which is 27th in the league however what i can say is next week or this week rather when they play indianapolis um they're going to be tested because they are the fourth best against the against the run their defense and then the week after against pittsburgh who is first in the league with their defense against the run. So definitely it's going to be interesting with the gut. Baker Mayfield's just doing enough right now. He's basically doing enough basically doing enough to get to the point where he can get his team to win. He only threw about 165 yards against Cowboys, but the Browns rushed for 307 yards. 307 yards, and Nick Chubb was out in the first quarter. You had Kareem Hunt, who averaged about 6.5 yards a carry with two touchdowns, and then a guy in. De'Ernest Johnson, who averaged about 7.3 yards a carry against Dallas. So the reality here is they can run like this. I mean, they could be a pretty good team, and Baker Mayfield can kind of just sit there and be like Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you think, Ryan?
1: Yeah, so... uh After getting destroyed by the Ravens in week one, the Browns haven't looked back and have won three straight. Yeah, I said that right. It seems that Odell is on the right path with Baker Mayfield, and if you're a Browns fan, that has to feel good. Uh, Four games, Baker has thrown 729 yards, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions. He's 72 for 115 on completions. Odell has 236 receiving yards and 3 touchdowns. Landry has 191 yards, uh, but the main reason this team is doing so good and not to give Baker Mayfield no credit at all, but it's not other than the running back situation. Kareem Hunt has 275 rushing yards and 3 touchdowns, and Nick Chubb has 335 yards and four touchdowns, and that was before he got hurt. But is it Baker Mayfield who are giving this credit to? Well, yes it is. He is doing very well. He's finding his receivers downfield and he's he's cashing in on on them. As the money's on uh, it's on the money when he throws it. Um, and yeah, he's finding old and Landry. He's he's doing good. He's he's even getting uh, Hooper into the into the mix. Um, but it like I said, it, it needs to be hunting season now because uh, Nick Chubb's out. Uh, he's out several weeks after suffering an MCL injury, and uh, Hunt Hunt is going to have to be hunting his prey now and step up in a big way uh, <laughs> if they want to keep winning these games, man. And especially like you said, Luca. Um, that they, they have a hard task in the Indianapolis Colts. But I just wanted to men- mention something, Luca. Uh, that second place prediction isn't looking too bad right now.
0: Well, I mean, pump the brakes right there, um, right. We got to pump the brakes here for a second, okay? Are you forgetting about Big Ben and then those Steelers? And then don't forget about Lamar Jackson. Never count out Lamar Jackson. He's the best in the regular season quarterback. But we know the postseason, he don't show up. But I just got to say, the one thing that I think resonated with me the most in that Browns game, they start the fourth quarter up 41-14. to In the Cowboys, they score 24 unanswered points within, I think, like the first 10 minutes maybe or so. If it wasn't for OBJ and that wraparound for, like, 50 yards to the end zone, the Browns actually had a possibility of losing this game. That is embarrassing. The Cowboys, like usual, they find ways to lose. This week was not only just their secondary. It was the entire defense. Like I said, the Cowboys find different ways to lose. Who knows? Maybe next game Dak Prescott can throw for 900 yards, and then and the defense can let 1,000. I don't know. Nick, what do you think about that?
3: Uh, yeah, I think the Cowboys defense is very good at losing games. It's impressive almost, you know, they've, they've let the offense show how much it can do. They, they really had a good fight with the Falcons defense there to see who could be more embarrassing. Exactly. And, um, yeah, that, that OBJ run to end the game, that was pretty nice. It was pretty cool. It showed, uh, how versatile he how versatile he is like you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. and how he's a great weapon and he's finally being used and i think great weapons are what really opens up the game you know even with the running backs the the better your running game is the easier it is to ha- the easier it is to have a better passing game and vice versa you know they build each other up and that's what makes it work
0: and what i like about this game against the colts coming up this sunday is if their run is stopped because of the Colts' great uh, defense against the run, we get to see if Baker Mayfield is really the big deal here, okay? Kevin Stefanski has done a great job with this offense. I can't wait to see what else he does because he is promising. But let me remind you of the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys here. I actually Googled it after the game because after the Cleveland Browns scored 49 points, which is unbelievable. Um, it's Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan has been out of the NFL since 2014 when he was the defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. His defense was ranked 31st in the league. Huh? Interesting, because that's what the Cowboys are right now. So I see a mirror image. He's been out of the league since 2014. I'm not sure why Mike McCarthy had to pick up his buddy on the side of the street or something, but oh well. Um, who knows? Who knows? They may even find a way to lose to the Giants this week. I don't know. They, they find ways. So... Let's fast forward now to, um, well, I don't want to really talk about this, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to go to baseball. We're going to go to them Cubbies. All right, according to ESPN staff writer Jesse Rogers, if the outcome between the Chicago Cubs and Miami Marlins in their first-round wild-card series surprised you, then you haven't been paying attention to either team. The Cubs made a, made a predictably early exit from the postseason due to a continued lack of offense, while the Marlins did what they always do when this franchise makes an act, makes it to October win. Alright, well wise words from Jesse Rochester, as you guys can both see. Um Ryan, I'm gonna start with you here. What should the Cubs do from here? Uh I mean
1: it's quite simple, man. You gotta get rid of the core. Not the whole core, but you gotta get rid of the core man. As we've all I'm pretty sure we're all Cubs fans, man. After winning the World Series, we have just been on a high and then the next four years we just went down very low. Like very, very low. And it's just been upsetting as a Cubs fan. Uh, we can't even get past the first round, it seems, in the playoffs. We can't even make it sometimes. And I don't know if it's necessarily the core, but I know we have a great farm system, and we have guys like Miguel Amaya ready to come up and show what they can do. And I think those people that are standing in the way is the guys like Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Contreras. So I think, in my opinion, uh, I think you keep Rizzo because he's a captain. You know, he's been on this team mm-hmm. for a very long time. He's a guy that if you, not only if you get rid of him, fans are going to be upset, you know, he's... He's the leader in that clubhouse. Uh, I do think you have you keep Javi Bias. Javi had a really bad season this year. We all know about it, but he's not the type of guy that's going to do it again. You know, he's going to go out there in 2021 and he's going to show why he is the El Mago. And I, I as much as I don't want to say it, I think you get rid of Contreras. I think he's a lot of trade value. We got Miguel Amaya. He's I believe he's MLB ready. Victor Caratini. He's going he can have the starting nod. Victor has shown what he can do. And I think Schwarber has to leave as well. Schwarber is a great bat. He's getting better in left field, but he's a big, big trade offer that we could pick up some big things for him, especially even get some, like... uh maybe an Adam Eaton or something, just, like, something like that to play outfield because is just not getting the job done for us, man. Especially, I don't even want to go to it, but, man, he had bases loaded in Game 2 against the Marlins, and he flew out. Like, dude, that is a time where, like, your contract's kind of on the line, like, depending on what you do here, and he knew it by slamming his bat down, but in my opinion, Rizzo stays, Baez stays, Schwarber and Contreras
0: leave. All right, uh, before I even give this to Nick, (laughs) I just want to remind everyone, I wish I could play the recording back on here so everyone can hear him. He assumed there was going to be a Game 3. He assumed it. He thought the Cubs were going to win that game, but they did not win that game. He thought 2016 was going to relive history or something, but no, they scored zero runs. Zero. So, Nick, what do we do from here?
3: You know, I'm not sure. It's it's rough. You know, we were close. we had the bases loaded like like Ryan said, you know, that was that's the moment. That's the moment that's supposed to set off the the just all of the offense right there. That's and then game 3 goes and then you take the momentum in, but it didn't. It didn't happen. You know, it was reminding me of watching the Reds Braves just couldn't they 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 could get guys on base, but they couldn't spark it. They couldn't score runs. And it hurt to watch. And you know, uh this is probably based on what Epstein has said, and based on the fact that this next upcoming year is going to be his final year of contract, he'll probably be leaving. Mm-hmm, so, that yep. uh, yeah, don't want to see that. But so that's that's one guy who's going to be gone after next year. After this year, you know, I don't know. Everyone was calling for Brian to be traded before this year. I think that this core is probably more like lo- like. The Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, they're more Cubs than most any, like, they're more loyal to their team than most players are to their team. And that's because, you know, you win a World Series for a team that hasn't won a World Series in 108 years. There's something special about that. There's something that just makes you feel proud of that. And no matter what they do for the rest of their careers, I believe they will always be remembered as Cubs. Um, That said, They can't all stay Cubs forever, I don't think. So, you know, Schwarber, the reason that everyone wanted him traded before was because he's really a DH. That's what he is. The DH rule might stay in the NL. We don't know. It got brought there this year. I think it'd be cool to see it stay. Uh, I agree. Rizzo, great captain, great team presence. Gotta stay. Baez, I love Baez. But also, he is El Mago. And there's been talks of, you know, maybe... Francisco Lindor is going to get traded. Maybe the Cubs can get Lindor. Pair Lindor and Baez in the infield together. Mm -hmm. Lights out, you know. I like that. So, there's a lot that can happen. Someone's going to get traded. Probably Schwarber. Maybe Bryant. I'd rather not. You know, Contreras is another good option to get traded. I could see it. So, we'll just have to see. And I'll be sad whenever I hear the news.
0: Well, Nick, some of your... uh... Your, some of you are saying there it kind of made me a little teary and I was gonna tell Ryan to give me a tissue yeah but man. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hold that to the end okay come on dude. <laughs> um but yeah we all we're all gonna miss our cubbies it's it's a sad tragedy that has unfortunately occurred um Theo Epstein he will always be remembered by Cubs fans because of 2016 it is that simple to me um there's just no way that he signs past the season I don't see it um, I don't know if any of you has have read the uh, the uh, the uh, book by uh, the, I think it was called the Cubs Way. Um, Theo with the Red Sox, I think he only stayed about ten years and then he just left because he believes in that in the business aspect. But the end of this season, guys, it symbolized the end of the road for the core group. Their record did not indicate how good they were. I think the Cubs were actually horrible. They stunk. It was awful to watch some of these games. But going into the next season with the core, um Rizzo's set to make about $16.5 million. The Cubs pick up that team option of his, which they should because I i view him as a captain. Um Javi, uh Chris Bryan and Kyle Schwarber, they're gonna become free agents after next year. And then Wilson Contreras hits the market uh the following year in 2022. Um listen, all five of these guys had subpar years. We all know they had a shortened season, was hard to adjust to it. And not only that, guys, but this is an offense that's declined since the middle of the 2018 season. They need addressing now. In that Marlins series, the Cubs were just terrible. It's that simple to me. They managed only one run and nine hits. Four of those were from Ian Happ. And Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez were a combined one for 24 since winning the title, the uh, trio is 19 for 142, which is a batting average of 134 with 52 strikeouts and six walks and 13 postseason games. So it just tells you that we need change here. Um, Theo's going to have to fix up this mess because it is a mess right now. If he wants to go the following year, that's fine, but he needs to at least pick, clean this mess up a little bit. I can say that Hayward, Hendricks, and Darvish are going to be here for some time. Uh, Quintana's gone. We don't even need to talk about him. Chatwood's just going to be gone he's not going to be resigned um but there is one guy we'll miss and that'll be john lester um lester is nothing but a leader to us he got us a world series so i'm glad he got to be a cub but it's time for him to go as well but um what they do have when it comes to younger talent we got alec mills we got Albert zoe and then we got those younger players and like i said ian happ david bode Nico horner and victor caratina uh caratini i'm sorry Um, What I say here is we trade Chris Bryant. The reason I say that is because he has regressed so much. He's been injured so much. And I feel like if he still has value, the time to trade him is now. There is no other way to say that. I know we're all going to miss Chris Bryant, but he is not Chris Bryant 2016-2017. It's that simple to me. Albert Amore, we can trade him for a bag of baseballs because all he can do is really catch the ball and hitting-wise, he looks lost. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, like I've said this since at least 2017, if not earlier, he is meant to be on an AL team that is used as a designated hitter. Um, before I continue, uh, do you guys want to talk about who you would want to be on the team, who they should sign, who should they trade, etc.?
1: Oh uh, yeah, no. I just real quick before we talk about that. So I just want to go back to talking about how if there is any listeners, you know, from the Chicago area listening in and thinking that like, oh no, we don't want to get rid of the core. Let me just put it to this this way to you. Although it was a shortened season. Our guys need to step up in the big lights, and they did it. And they haven't done it in the past couple of years, and it's just showed that it's time for us to get move on from the core. Also, another thing I wanted to mention uh, was, I know Lucas said a little bit about this, uh, but with KB, if he does get traded, I mean, you got to look at David Bodie. That dude has was uh, outstanding for us. So, like, the Cubs know what he can do and maybe look at him for his starting third base job next year. I don't know. Another thing that really made me upset was the fact that Jason Kipnis played the most second base in the playoffs when I think clearly that should have been Nico Horner, especially when Jason Kipnis is just going to look at pitches and strike out majority of the time. But I do think that Nico should have played more. Uh but I mean that that's just me. I do think that Key should be our starting second baseman, but but yeah, I mean just to look at what David Bodie did. He led the team in RBIs this year, and that everyone is probably just thinking like David Bodie, what who's that guy? So I mean he showed what he can do, he showed that he's not a wash. So I mean, yeah, we'll we'll look into the free agents and we'll see we'll look at trading, but I do think Adam Engel, man, I do think he could be a solid piece for this team. He, we need a leadoff hitter. I mean, a lot of people are thinking, nah, because we have Ian Happ now. But I mean, we do need a solid leadoff hitter. Ian Happ had a great year. That, that's nothing. I'm not taking him. I'm not taking that away from him. But I think if we can pick up someone that is supposed to be as a leadoff, like is a leadoff uh, hitter, I think that could help us out big. Maybe get Adam Engel or some players to be named for Kyle Schwarber or something. I I think we can pull out an Adam Engel trade. That'd be really cool, especially with the Chicago shot, Chicago trade. But I think Adam Engel would be a really big pickup. That's just my opinion.
0: All right. What about homeboy Nick? What you got?
3: Um, I think we definitely need to go out and get, you know, just another reliever slash closer. Granted, I will give Kimbrel credit. He came back and he had an amazing second half of the season. He did great. But it was, like, not enough to just rely on him, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: When he wasn't in, then Jeffress was in. All of a sudden, Jeffress is giving up the same stuff that Kimbrough was giving up at the start of the season. So now it's just, like, one's good one's bad you know we got to have more than that so i think if we can get a nice closer and then obviously if we are going to lose some of the core we do have to get you know more more offense to make up for that for sure but as as Ryan pointed out we do have you know Bodie Horner Kipness all that but i still think we got to get someone like i said earlier Lindor you know that would be an insane matchup with or, With Lindor and Baez both in the same infield, scary. And then both in the same lineup, frightening.
0: Yeah, that is um, frightening here. Um, Well, listen here. As much as I would love Francisco Lindor to be on this team, that is brutal for a pitcher to half the verse. Oof. I mean, door is nothing but talented. We all know that, but I just don't think it's realistic. The reason I say that is because we would have to give up probably Nico Horner and probably a bunch of other prospects that we would have to give up, and then we're getting rid of our farm system again. And we've been depleted of that for years now because of Jose Quintana trade. Um, we could have had Aloy Jimenez in our left field, and Schwarber would have been gone. We could have had uh, I don't know what Dylan Cease would have done for us, but so far he's making progress. Uh, progress with the White Sox and all, but. Let's talk about someone that I would love on this team, and he used to play for the Cubs, except they stupidly traded him, um, and that would be DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu is nothing but a sensational player, in my opinion. Um, he batted about two ninety two for the Yankees, and I think right now he's batting about three oh five in the playoffs with them. DJ LeMahieu is nothing but a sensation. Now, some of you are like probably like, well, he we plays second base. D.J. LeMahieu can play third base. It's possible. So he can definitely play alongside Baez and Horner if they decide to sign another second baseman. I don't know. But D.J. LeMahieu needs to come back to Chicago. I don't know why they traded him in the first place, but D.J. LeMahieu, he brings that bat. He brings the leadership. He brings the fielding skills. That's that's basically a jolt of energy that the Cubs need in their lineup. Um, another free agent that maybe the Cubs should entertain is uh, D.D. Uh, Gregorius. Um I don't know. You can maybe take a look at him. He's done a a phenomenal job in Philly, except I don't think the Phillies are going to resign him because they uh, got, I believe Seegers, they got him. So I don't think they are going to resign him. But what I would say is that Billy Hamilton was a very good pickup, by the way, at the deadline. I would sign him back as your utility guy and maybe play a couple games here and there. But here's an interesting one. If Schwarber does go, what I want in my left field is Marcelo Zuna. The Cardinals basically traded him for nothing. Actually, no, I'm sorry, they let him walk. So I would definitely take a look at Marcelo Zuna because he only signed a one year contract. That the Braves decide to not um, entertain that at all. Why not try him? I mean, the Cubs can use some uh, someone like him. Do you guys have anyone in uh, in mind for pitching?
1: Um, Hold on, I'm sorry, that was just funny that you said that because I was looking at Marcel Zun as well. And yeah, I do think that they need to keep Billy Hamilton, not only just because of his speed, but he actually batted decently well for us. Like, he's not, he was not bad. Yeah, he's so, not I mean, bad at all. Yeah. Um, maybe for pitching, uh, for like a fourth or fifth spot, uh, maybe you look at a guy like, uh, Homer Bailey. I know he hasn't been the best, but I mean, if you're looking for a fourth, sp- I mean, let's be honest though. I think Alec Mills and, uh, Albert Allosley are going to take those spots anyways, but I mean, I'm, I'm, i I think we should look more of the side of what, uh, Nick said with the relief pitching, because like we said, mm-hmm. we have Jimmy Jeffries, we have Craig Kimball, but we don't necessarily have someone in there, uh, to close it for us. So, I mean... Maybe you look at a guy like uh, Sergio Elmo. I don't know. I know they use him as a closer spot, but he could be a setup piece. Um, maybe a guy like uh, – it says Brandon Kinsler. No, no, not Brandon Kinsley. Maybe a guy like Tyler Clippard, uh, you know. Uh, I do really like that Marcelo Zuna, though, and I think the Cubs could definitely get a, a haul out of that if they can get rid of Schwarber and find Mo- Marcelo Zuna playing left field next year in the friendly confines. That would be quite special. So, yeah, I mean, I think you look at maybe a Homer Bailey, maybe a Marcelo Zuna trade um, – but yeah, I mean that—that's about all I got. I just—it makes me really sad talking about this topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Nick, what do you have in uh, idea for pitching?
3: Um, I'm not—I'm not entirely sure. I think it would be really cool. It's not a reliever, but I think it would be really cool if we could get Trevor Bauer. Oh my god! Since he said something about the Yankees, yeah, I really before. Before you
0: continue, before you continue, I was literally going to say that, too. But, yeah, go on with Trevor Bauer. I want to hear this.
3: Yeah, so, uh, one, he's really good. So, obviously, we would want that on our team. Two, um, anything that could possibly make the Yankees good, I would like to not happen, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unless it involves, you know, a trade for Araldis Chapman and the Cubs winning the World Series. Then it's okay. But other than that, I really know. So, that would be great. Um. That that that's my main thing. Uh relievers I'm not entirely sure.
1: And Nick, hold on, just let me cut you off for a minute. So I like how you said the 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 Trevor Bauer thing, but would you really want a team with two aces then? Because, or technically three aces, you'd have Hendricks, Darvish, and Bauer all trying to fight for that one, one spot, which, I mean, I guess as a Cubs fan, yeah, that'd be awesome to have. But, like, then again, I always think of a rotation as you have your ace and you have your second best pitcher and you have your third base pitcher. If we pick up Bauer, then we have basically three good, great pitchers, which would not be bad, but. Well-
0: well, hold on a second. The reason this is actually not a bad idea is because we know Hendricks, what he does. He, he basically hits those corners with the slider, the curve up, the curveball, the changeup, and the sinker. He's that type of pitcher. Bauer's the one that uses that nasty slider that goes about like 92, 93 miles per hour, and he has that fastball. So he's a different type of pitcher, so we have to keep that in consideration as well. Darvish is more like Bauer than Hendricks is. But if we have Darvish, Bauer, and Hendricks, whew, I would not want to verse that.
3: I don't think I've ever heard anyone complain about their team having too much pitching talent. Yeah, right. Like you're gonna have five <laughs> starting pitchers. Why not make them all as good as you can? I I'd much rather have five aces than a one, a two, a three, a four, and oh no, now we have to deal with our fifth pitcher being this guy. You know? It, ideally the more the more aces the better, in my opinion, because you know, then you can go into every game thinking, man, if we get like three runs, we can probably win this rather than being like, all right, offense needs to show up today.
0: Yeah, and they never really showed up because the Cubs basically relied on the uh, pitching the entire season. We all saw that. Um, But... I got to say, I love the Trevor Bauer idea. He made himself more famous with those Joe Kelly shoes. I love those. I saw those on Twitter. (laughs) I got a good laugh out of that. Um, But someone that they should entertain for maybe like a fourth or fifth spot, you guys probably have never heard of him because he's been out of the league for quite some time, or he's just basically flown under the uh, radar, and that would be T1 Walker. Um, He played for the Diamondbacks for a couple years and uh, he's not bad. He's averaging about uh, 350 ERA, So that's not terrible. I could see them, the Cubs signing him to like a two- or one-year deal. It's not worth that much money. But I definitely advise Epstein, take it easy on the contracts. Don't be signing people five, six years. No, let's not do that. We've already made mistakes on that. Let's just try to avoid that type of situation. But yeah, Trevor Bauer, I don't know what is going to happen with that, but I know he's not resigning with the Reds because he did not look happy after those two games. I just don't see it happening again. But when we talk about relieving, uh, reliever pitchers, I'm sorry, um, the bullpen was, again, horrible. Um, we, we already know who we're going to keep. We got Kimbrel, we got Rowan Wick, um, and then I don't know what else is going to happen with that bullpen, but I can tell you who I would love to sign in this bullpen, and that would be a guy of the name Blake Trinan. And Blake Trinan is just nothing but sensation. He's on the Dodgers right now. Played a couple of years for the Athletics. He's always put a respectable e- ERA up. He had a 3.86 ERA in the season. Um, he has a good arm, and he's definitely someone that could uh, get the bridge to Kimbrel. We can definitely use someone like him. Um, another person I would actually entertain with because you know the Twins are never going to win a playoff game because they've shown it every year now um, is Trevor May. Trevor May is definitely someone I would want to entertain an offer to. Um, he's nothing been short. He's nothing but been short of success. I mean, he's great. Um, had about a 3.50 ERA this past season, then had another one of 2.94 ERA the past season. And finally, the last person I would want to entertain an offer to, um, no one but the athletic himself, Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks is that fastball. He has that curveball. Nothing but sensation. And he has never put up an ERA over 3.50 in his career. The last two years, we have 1.78 and then 1.80. So Bob Melvin must be doing something right in Oakland because um, I would definitely want to entertain offers to those guys. Yeah, I like that
1: idea. Um, Just real quick, uh, it's open to anyone, uh, Nick or Luca. I was just curious, do you guys think we should re-sign any of the guys we picked up uh, at the trade deadline, like Andrew Chafin, Jas Olsic? In my opinion, I think uh, Chafin didn't do that bad of a job, and I think maybe you give him one more year just to see what he can actually do, but I don't think Andrew Chafin did that bad for us.
0: Nick, what do you think?
3: Um, You know, if I had to say... I don't see why not, you know, we've been talking about trying new things, saying the core isn't working, so if we've got pieces that we already have there, if we've got pieces that are working, why not, why not try them, why not give them another chance, especially if we are going to lose some of the core, it's really going to be a year to like, try and do big things with, not necessarily new players, but players in new roles, so go for it.
0: Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind it, really, because, I mean, he didn't really play much with us. He didn't really get the chance that he deserved, so why not? I mean, we just need to get the Cubs in a situation where they can succeed. I I just felt like last season the record did not show their success at all. In fact, I thought they stunk. The division was just horrible, in my opinion, so why not? Let's try it out. All right, let's transition now to um, the ALDS and the NLDS. MLB fans the divisional series just got underway on Monday when the Astros and athletics took on each other will the Dodgers turn the league's best record in October glory or will the Tampa Bay Rays shock the world who knows we, we, we got more to come but um Ryan I'm gonna start with you what are your thoughts on the divisional round so far
1: uh, quite crazy. We'll put it that way. Quite crazy. And the reason I'm saying it's quite crazy is because mainly one series, and I'm going Padres and Dodgers, that series has been electric. Uh, last night, I was on the edge of my seat, man. The Padres just wouldn't go away, man. They were like, they just didn't want to lose. And, you know, unfortunately, Eric Hosmer grounds out of the second baseman. They lose with bases loaded. But uh, that, se- that series, I... I honestly don't think it's going to end tonight man. I think that the Padres are going to find a way to win tonight and they have been hitting that the thing is the Dodgers have also been hitting but the first game you know the Dodgers came out they went 5-1 cool but the second game the Padres put on a clinic and then the Dodgers just did everything they could to stop it with Cody Bellinger's rob of Fernando Tatis in center field. Oh man, I was I was shaking after that. I was like, "No, why do the Dodgers have to do something good?" but uh, I do, uh, sadly, I do see the Dodgers uh, winning this thing. Um, I'm going to say they win it in four, though. I do think the Padres are going to get one win out of it. Uh, I'm looking here. The Braves are up 4-0 already on the Marlins. That, that series, I wanted the Marlins to do good just because they knocked out all the Cubbies. I usually like to root for the team that knocks yours out. but And then again, it's the Marlins. Like How how exciting would that have been if they got to the NLCS? But it uh, looks like the Braves are going to take care of business there because we are up 4-0. So I see a sweep there for Atlanta that series didn't really have much, you know, the Marlins didn't really get their bats going until honestly the game one, like they literally, they scored five runs, but the Braves just had nine and they, they outtook them. But then the Marlins go silent in game two. And right now they're silent again. Uh, so yeah, those two series, it's just, it's going to be the Braves and Dodgers for me in the NLCS. And, uh, it's going to be special, but as much as I just love to see the Dodgers just choke this 2-0 lead, it would be awesome, but then again, I think it would just be cooler to see them get to the NLCS or even the World Series and just choke there, because that would be so much... That would just be super funny, so uh, my predictions, uh, again, i got to have the Dodgers in four, and then obviously I have the Braves in uh, three, so yeah, that's me.
0: All right, well, I guess I'll just do uh, one one series, and then I'll give it to Nick, um, but... I'm not happy with the Astros and Athletics Series. In fact, um, the Astros have shown something that I don't want because I don't want them back in the World Series. I don't. Um, but let us i got to give them props to what they're doing, though. Um, Carlos Correa is putting on a clinic out there. Let's take a look at these stats, shall we? Batting average, Carlos Correa leads with 438. He also leads in home runs. He has three. He leads in RBIs, seven. He leads in OPB, 57-4. Uh, uh, One, and then hits is George Springer. Carlos Correa leads four out of the five categories here. That's ridiculous. Um, But George Springer, he's playing a good game. He's batting about 318. Uh, Michael Brantley putting on a clinic out there, too. Even uh, uh, Kyle Tucker, he's putting on a clinic out there, too. El he's playing all right. Bregman, they're playing all right. But let's be serious here. Um, the Astros are scaring me. They are. It's just, uh, ugh, I don't even want to say it because they don't deserve the win. I'm sorry. What they did is just ridiculous and unacceptable. Um, let's just talk about their starting pitching though. Uh, their starting pitching is not that good. In fact, I think the only guy that you can really give credit to is uh, Framber Valdez. And I don't, and I think Ranky pitched yesterday, but it was his first game back, but the athletics though, we all knew the athletics time was going to come to an end soon, but yet again, they can fight. I don't know. But Marcus Simeon, Chris Davis, we already know what these guys can do. But yet again, it's the Athletics here. They don't have a big market team like the Yankees and the Dodgers. But the Athletics always find ways to be competitive. So we shall see how that goes.
1: Um, Sorry, uh, I thought we were just talking about the National League side first. So, I mean, I'll go into my American uh, League side. Well,
3: let, let,
0: let Nick talk. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah.
3: So I got to say, the only scenario where I really would want to see the Dodgers in the World Series, as Ryan was lamenting about that possibility, would be if the Astros were going to make the World Series. I think it would be beautiful to watch them just get swept by the Dodgers, uh, preferably with Joe Kelly pitching the final out. That that would really be nice. Um, I don't want the Astros to win. I don't want the Yankees to win either. Um, hopefully the Rays can hold on here. I think the Rays have proven throughout the regular season and they've proven by taking a two, one lead that they are the better team. Uh, you know, there was so much hype around the Yankees so much, like they were going to be injured. And then with the season being delayed and pushed down to 60 games, they had it. And then, you know, there was a point where they were at risk of being kicked out of the postseason by the Orioles. Like if they're, there was a point where the Orioles could have swept the Yankees and knocked the Yankees out of playoff position. You know, I think the Rays have got this. They're going to go on, hopefully against the A's, but it's looking more like it might be against the Astros. You know, A's finally got one win yesterday, but yeah. the Astros have the Astros have been outplaying them. I'd be I'd be happy either way. I think it would be cool also to see Rays Marlins, but. That also doesn't look like it's going to happen. Marlins are
0: your dreams.
3: (laughs) Marlins are about to get handed their first ever postseason series loss. uh, It's looking like and in in a sweep, no less. Absolutely (laughs) wild. And I agree the Dodgers, the Dodgers are going to beat the Padres.
0: Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's the Dodgers. I mean, we've seen this every year (laughs) now. (laughs) I mean, they find ways to lose. I mean, just you just got to sit there in weight don't even allude to the fact that they may lose. I mean, every single year they find ways to lose. And I don't think they're going to lose in this round because they always got to make it a little interesting. It may be in the NLCS. It may be in the World Series. I don't know. They always got to find a way. I I mean, this year, I don't know how. If they beat the Padres, I don't know who's stopping them from going to the World Series. They're better than the Braves, in my opinion. So if they get to the World Series... If it's, I mean, I really, this is the year that I do not want an AL team to win unless it's the Rays or the Athletics. But um, it's really hard to see the Dodgers fail like this miserably year after year. It's just that they find ways to lose, and then they blame it out. Well, we didn't have enough pitching. We didn't have enough hitting. There's no more excuse. If you do not win this year, I just think you need to fire, fire David Roberts. Dave Roberts. I mean, the GM has done a great job. He's put in so much talent. Maybe it's Dave Roberts needs to go. So they don't win this year. He can say goodbye. Yeah, no,
1: I agree. But I do think that Mookie Mookie Betts deal puts him over the top. And I think it's just it's t- like it's time for them to win. Like, how can they not win? Like, they've choked so many times. Like this team, like if you've been watching the Dodgers this year, they're just unstoppable. You got Mookie Betts, man. You got Cody Bellinger. You got guys stepping up in the big lights. So I think the Dodgers do make the World Series. If they lose to the Braves, that would make me even happier. But like you said, Luca, the Braves are not better than this Dodgers team. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I will just uh, go ahead and talk about the Astros as well, guys. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying. Unfortunately, we know they did uh, they did cheat, and no one wants them in the playoffs, uh, obviously. But they're still a heck of a ball club, and they're showing what they can do. And they're more than likely going to get to the ALCS. And I think that hopefully is against the Rays. But the Yankees are still a power team, and I don't think they're going to go down without a fight. But... I mean, if I have to be a guessing guy, I'm going to go. It's going to be Houston and Tampa in the ALCS. And Mm -hmm. I just really, really hope that Tampa knocks them out because no one wants Houston, even this fall in the playoffs at this point. What about you, Nick?
3: I would agree. I think it's going to be Houston, Tampa, and then uh, Dodgers versus Braves. I think, yeah, Dodgers are better than the Braves. I think the Padres are better than the Braves. I think there's no question that whoever wins that Dodgers Padres series goes to the World Series for sure. I can agree with that. Those are the two best teams in the NL, possibly the two best teams in the MLB, mm-hmm. and you know they're just right there in the same division. And it's looking like it's going to hurt the Padres that they are, but the Padres will have their time for sure. They've they've got plenty of time to get their World Series. I agree. This this might actually be the Dodgers' year. They might actually you know. Not choke this year, well, it'll be interesting to see
0: well yeah if if the Yankees do not get to the World Series, I don't think there's an excuse. Look at their team compared to the Astros compared to the Rays compared to the a's I mean we're just we're just thinking out loud here, but the Dodgers are better than all of those three teams, with the exception of the Yankees. I think the Yankees could give them a hard time, and I think the Dodgers could give the Yankees a hard time. Let's just be serious here. But the Rays have definitely surprised me in this series. They're working with basically nothing, and well, they're making it work. The Yankees are a better uh, baseball team if you look on paper. But um, we got to get going. We got to get moving, fellas, on Thursday night football here. Um, and this is going to be a good one. Uh, Nick and I's Nick's and I's favorite team, so. uh Thursday night football features the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. Tampa Bay is enjoying a three-game winning streak as they held on to beat the Chargers on Sunday while the Bears suffered a loss against a really good defense in the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. So what are we thinking tonight, Nick?
3: Well, if uh, Nick Foles does this crazy thing where he actually passes the ball instead of just hitting it off every single play, you know, that could help. Tampa Bay's defense is definitely not the Colts' defense. Um, So this should be, like, we should be able to score more than three points. I'm saying three because those last eight did not count. We were given those by Indianapolis. We should be able to score more than three points. And, you know, I think the defense, I won't say they'll just, you know, rip up Tom Brady or anything, but I think they'll be able to hold it. I think they'll be able to hold Tampa Bay's offense pretty well. Maybe get a nice, you know, pick six turnover. Um, last week, our defense was called for pass interference because T.Y. Hilton tripped. Not really sure how that works. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, if uh, provided nothing like that happens again, uh, we, we, we should have a pretty decent chance to come out of this game with a win.
0: Yeah. Um, the game with the Colts, the Bears looked. The defense showed up. I was impressed with the defense. But the offense, ugh. I mean, every Bear fan knows now there's pro- There's plenty of progress to be made with Nick Foles, but it needs to come in a hurry. Then there's you on the other side of this call that decides to Snapchat me literally two minutes after the game and says, well, Nick Foles can't do it. Um. Well, yes, he can. It's just that he played against the number one defense in the league. Mitch Trubisky played against the New York Giants. So let's be serious here. Um, well, the game against the Falcons, what did it show us Bear fans? Hope, resilience, and redemption. This game against the Bucks. what we need to do, we need to respond, and we need to recover. I give the Indianapolis credit for, being, for playing fast, playing downhill, and they were extremely aggressive. Except the Bears are going to have to expect the same from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a tough team to run the football against. They allow about 2.7 yards on first down and less than 60 rushing yards per game. That's second best in the league, y'all. The Bears, again, they need to come in this game with an improved vision of what to do on third down. They are second to last on 34% on converting third downs. Imagine if the Bears can make these into first downs and extend the offense. This team could be a good team. It's just that they don't it's just that they fall short constantly and I think it has to do with Matt Nagy's play calling. I don't know. But we all know Nick Foles is a respectable quarterback. We we have to question almost whether or not if Matt Nagy should be even calling plays. But we need to also be careful with Tampa Bay as they have 14 sacks as a collective unit. So we got to be careful of Pierre, Paul, and Sue for basically sack and false because our front line isn't necessarily that strong. But let's not underestimate uh, the Buccaneers' offense. I mean, you look at Tom Brady with his disposal. I understand O.J. Howard's hurt and all, but you still got Rob Gronkowski. You got Cameron Bray. You got the monster wide receiver in Mike Evans. They got a monster running back in Ronald Jones. He rushed 111 yards last, uh, last week against the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers, last time I checked, have a good defense. So we got to be careful with that. And even though Chris Godwin did not play last week, Scotty Miller stepped up for the big time. So the Bears' defense, what they need to do is they need to make Tom Brady's environment uncomfortable. They need to make him look as if he were a 43-year-old quarterback and make him think about the defense more than he's thinking about the actual play. The Bears just need to show up offensively and if they can play like they did last week uh, defensively, they should be fine.
3: I would agree. I would say Nick Foles has the potential to be the upgrade from Mitch Trubisky. He has played like a huge upgrade from Mitch Trubisky in the past, but what I saw last week was not an upgrade. And this is this is accounting for the fact that the Colts have the number one defense. Okay. I don't think- I don't think I saw anything from Nick Foles. I didn't see a quarterback who was on the field trying to make plays, trying to look for those opportunities. I saw a quarterback not wanting to throw. I saw a quarterback when he did throw, overthrowing on multiple occasions. I saw a quarterback who had to be bailed out of interceptions by his wide receivers. And I just, I, I want to see more effort from Nick Foles you know I'm sure we all do if we had if we had had the same result with just some more effort I would have been okay with it but I just didn't see the effort that I need to see from a man who's being told all right this is your opportunity to prove that you are the person you know he he was signed with the expectation of becoming the starting quarterback I think everyone knew he was going to become the starting quarterback at some point during this season Mm -hmm. the question was really just when Right. And he needs to prove that he was worth it. So I'll be looking for that again this week, and hopefully I'll see it this week finally.
0: Yeah, Nick Foles definitely needs to show up here. Um, I definitely see them passing the ball more tonight because the Bucks are really good against the run. So Nagy definitely needs to stop calling those stupid swing r- runs on third and like two. Just pass the ball in like a curl or a slant. Let's not, make, let's not overcomplicate the scheme and all that. Just make plays when you need to make the plays. Because the Bears, like I said on third down, it's inconsistency. And, and let's talk about the third quarter. They have scored zero points in the third quarter of the season. It is a disturbance to me. And then they lead the league with 49 points in the fourth quarter. Well, that's because they're constantly catching up. And the defenses on the other team are basically falling asleep. So it's almost to me that they need to come out firing tonight. And also, they have not won a coin toss yet. They haven't, they haven't won a coin toss, and they haven't received the football in the, sec, in the second half. I know that sounds really stupid, but who knows? That may make a difference. I don't know. But Nick Foles needs to show up tonight. The defense needs to be as dominant. But we need to see dominance. We need to see excellence. So that way we can have a team that is respectable in the NFC North. Because the Packers are, are just better.
3: Yeah, that hurts to hear and it hurts more to agree with it, but it's yeah. true.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, do you have a final score?
3: Um You know, I'm seeing I think our defense can, can stop the Bucks a decent amount. I think our offense can only put up so many points. So if I if I had to guess on a score, I would have to say uh Bears twenty three four mm-hmm. uh buccaneers we'll go with classic 17 24 17 just a straight all right three touchdowns in a field goal two touchdowns in a field goal you know all right
0: well i have a little bit lowering a lower of a score I feel like both defenses are going to show up tonight. I feel like they're going to make it extremely uncomfortable for the quarterbacks. We know Tom Brady can't run because he's very fragile. he got to stay in that pocket. But um, I feel like the Bears, I feel like they can do it tonight. I really do. And I feel like they're going to score 17, and the Buccaneers will score 14. They definitely need to make the environment uncomfortable for Tampa Bay. In order to get any success, they, may, they need to make sure Tom Brady does not get into any groove like he did last week against the Chargers.
3: That's true for sure, and you know what? We have the defense. We've seen the defense. The defense is great. The defense has had a few really, really bad calls on them the last couple weeks Yeah, that has uh, succeeded in undermining their success, and I think we're going to see more of that same defense tonight, and it'll be fun to watch at the very least.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, Nick. Thanks for joining us today on the call. And go Bears. Go Bears. All right, everyone. Thanks for watching and or listening. I see. I keep saying that. Thanks for tuning in to Around the Waves on KCOU And I'm going to let Ryan close out.
1: Hey, Luka man, uh, you did broadcasting, so you're used to being on TV. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that Bears Buccaneers game, and I'm a Packers fan, but that's gonna be an exciting game to watch. It, it definitely is. But uh, yeah, we'll be here uh, 1:30 next th- uh, next Thursday. Uh, we'll probably be talking about them Cowboys, but uh, we'll see what happens this weekend in the NFL and all that stuff. But uh, tune uh, tune back next Thursday, and uh, hey, we'll see you around.